This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Stunning. Uh, I think we could go, go home at that point and just know we've met with God. Absolutely incredible. So thank you. Awesome set list today. And uh, <clears throat> seems a long time since we've sung a song about the blood. It's, that was really, really good. <laughs> so thank you for that. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Okay, so we're continuing our amble uh, through, the, through the book of Luke. Um, <clears throat> so I've, I have two verses to talk about today, but I've stolen one from last week. <clears throat> I, I know what I'm about. I know what I'm about. So just to, to set some context, so Jesus has just been talking to the disciples, uh, as he does, and he's basically saying to them, okay, so who do people say that I am? And uh, they, they've, they've come out with this great big list, you know, what other people are saying. And then Jesus just focuses down in, really, and challenges them individually. So picking it up at, at Luke 9, uh, verse uh, 20, and it's just the first part on the slide to start with. So he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And that challenge echoes down through the corridors of time. That challenge is the same for people today as it was yesterday, as it was 2,000 years ago. And uh, if you're watching from home too, the challenge is the same for you. Who do you say that I am? That was, uh, Sue issued that challenge to us last week, and the challenge is the same this week too. Who do you say that I am? And uh, anyway, so Peter received that challenge and he responded and uh, he responded with the right answer. <laughs> he, sa- he says, Peter answered and said, the Christ of God, you are the Christ of God. And that's the second part of verse 20 in Luke 9. So what's Peter saying here? Peter's saying uh, the word uh, Christ is a transliteration from the Greek for the Greek word Christos, which literally means anointed. So Peter is saying, you are the anointed of God. And for Jewish people, that that is a completely loaded statement. So Peter is saying, you are the Messiah. You are the one that's promised to Israel. You are the one that's been foretold by the prophets. You are that anointed uh, priest and king who will lead Israel and destroy the oppressor, the Romans. (laughs) You don't think he thought that? Well, you'll see the challenge at Jesus' issues in a minute. Um, so that, that was, so Peter thought he was, you know, basically making this declaration that Jesus was the Messiah. Um, but Jesus then comes back with some, some very peculiar statements, really. So the first one he says uh, in verse 21. So this is the first of my verses for today. So. 
so Jesus responds with a number of very interesting statements. And he says this one first. He strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one. Hang on a minute. Yeah, wait a minute. So you've just made this accurate declaration about me, but I'm asking you to keep it quiet for a while. So why on earth did he say that? <clears throat> I think um, the first thing is that I don't think the disciples quite understood Jesus' mission. And we see a bit more of that in the next verse, in verse 22. Um, I also think, although we don't know, I'm speculating here, okay, so let me speculate. Um, I think that Jesus probably didn't want to raise his profile with the Roman authorities um, too quickly. Because if suddenly his followers start proclaiming him as Messiah, that's a loaded statement. And Jesus would very quickly be gathering a lot of people around him who would be thinking he was going to overthrow the Romans. And if that had happened, then the Romans would have intervened into his ministry quite early on. So timing is everything here. And Jesus' ministry was not finished yet. The, the time had not come for him to lay down his life for us. So I think that was at play here as well. And that's why I think Jesus basically said, I need you to be quiet. But the idea that the, the disciples had the wrong idea, really. They, they hadn't quite got what Jesus was about. Uh, you can see from a parallel passage in Mark's gospel. I think this is Mark. Yeah, Mark 8. <clears throat> So it's a parallel passage. But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter began to rebuke Jesus. Can you imagine? <laughs> hey, Jesus, I think you got this wrong, mate, all right? <laughs> oh, dear. But, <clears throat> but when he turned around, this is Jesus, but when he turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan. Uh, get thee behind me, Satan. I've got to... Turn the page now. If you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. So how are you going to feel? Jesus turns around and says to you, get behind me, Satan. But Jesus is basically saying, you've got an idea of Messiah in your head. And it's not quite the right idea yet. And I need to teach you and lead you and help you to understand what I am here to do. And obviously, Jesus is laying the, the, the groundwork for, for, you know, becoming the sacrifice, uh, going to the cross, and dying for our sins, and rising again, again on the third day. So I skipped ahead slightly. If we go back to Luke 9.22, <clears throat> so back in our Luke passage, Jesus says, the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and raised again the third day. So there we have uh, the gospel in a sentence, really. So let's try and unpack this a little bit. So I see five things here. The Son of Man, 
he must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, be killed, and be raised the third day. So really, this is Jesus' road to the cross, isn't it? Um, And so his ultimate sacrifice, where he died for our sins, and then rose again as a demonstration uh, that he had defeated death. So we're just going to look at each of these in a little bit more detail. And where I can, I'm going to try and bring out some of the Old Testament references around this, because that's where Jesus was pointing them to. He was trying to point them back at the Old Testament, what all this was about. So, the Son of Man. So, Jesus Jesus often used this phrase of himself, the Son of Man. Um, I think there's a number of things that are wrapped up in this. Um, For me, one of the things, it seems to be a demonstration of his humility or his humanity. Um, He's basically saying, you know, I'm one of you. (laughs) I I, I was born into this place. Um, And only that way could he die in our place. Okay, if he was not all man he could not die in our place. The, the mystery is that he was all man and all God in one. And in fact, that phrase, son of man, would have meaning for his hearers because it, it, it was a vision Daniel had. Um, and we can look at that from uh, Daniel chapter 7. So Daniel has this vision. I was watching in the night visions, plural, so he has more than one. And behold, one like the son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Hallelujah. (laughs) So, Here's a prophecy of Jesus, um, and it's really a vision of Jesus' divinity. So Jesus can use the phrase, I'm the son of man, but actually he's pointing very clearly at a vision that Daniel had of the son of God. Absolutely incredible. The son of man, the son of man, must suffer many things must suffer many things. <laughs> Where to begin? All right. Um, I could probably preach for weeks on this subject alone. Uh, we could look through Psalm 22, Isaiah 52, Isaiah 53. Just incredible. But just to try and tease out just a few highlights, really, just to all that Jesus did. And his suffering was redemptive as well, okay? So, you know, these things happened for a reason and they happened for redemption and as part of redemption. And in each of the things he suffered is is a redeeming aspect for us in his sacrifice on the cross. So where where does it all begin? I mean, first of all, I put in my notes here, he sweat blood in the garden. Okay, He he was standing firm against the temptation not to go through with it. He was being tempted. It says in Scripture that Jesus was tempted 
beyond, uh, it was tempted in every way such as we are, yet without sin. So he was tempted not to go through with it. And the temptation was so strong, he sweat blood in the garden. Okay, we can't, I mean, <laughs> how hard do we resist sin, okay? <laughs> All right. Oh, there's a, there's a great big chocolate, piece of chocolate. Mm, yum, 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 yum. Okay, that's me. <laughs> how long do I resist? I don't know, about a microsecond. <laughs> and yet we have this example of Jesus standing firm against sin. Um, oh, that's just one thing, okay? So that he was betrayed by a friend, okay? A friend, he was somebody on the team, okay? He'd worked with this guy for three years, okay? He was the treasurer of the organization, okay? And he betrayed Jesus. He was called Judas, okay? He betrayed Jesus. So when you've been betrayed, okay, you've been betrayed by a friend or maybe a colleague at work, maybe someone you've known all your life and you feel betrayed, Jesus was betrayed. Okay, he, he, he knows. He knows what it feels like. Uh, the disciples abandoned him. Okay, he was in the garden. They left him. So when you feel alone and you feel abandoned by your friends, Jesus experienced that. It's redemptive suffering. Okay? He suffered that so we don't have to. So when you feel abandoned by your friends, call out to Jesus because he knows what it feels like. <clears throat> false imprisonment. Okay? Uh, false accusations. People made accusations about him, about things he had not done before. Okay? Have, have you been accused wrongly over something? I'm sure you have. Many of us have over the years, people have said things about us. Okay, Jesus was falsely accused. <clears throat> he was taken away in the middle of the night. They were conducting a trial in the middle of the night. That is not right. There's something very fishy going on here for that to be going on. Okay, they, they, they were doing something that was quite subversive in, in doing that. Okay, Jesus was beaten. So he was first beaten by... Uh, the Jewish authorities had rest, arrested him. Then he was handed over to the Romans. So there he was scourged. You know, I, I, I don't have to go into the detail, okay? That, that you can read books on this stuff, okay? But he was beaten within, within a whisker of dying because that was part of what they did. He was humiliated by the Romans, Okay, they, would have, they confiscated everything. Um, he would have been uh, experienced shame through his experiences. You know, if you feel shame, you've, there's things you've done in your past, you know, talk to Jesus about it. He forgives you. Okay, he can't wash clean the memory, but he can wash clean the hurt from the memory. So, he's on the cross, and, um, sorry. How can you not be moved? 
It says that he became sin for us. He literally took the propitiation, it says. That's a long technical word, and it basically means he took the wrath of God. So Jesus became the focal point of the wrath of Almighty God. And he became that because he loves us, because he loves you, and he loves me. He became the focal point of the wrath of God. Wow! Awesome. Absolutely awesome. So, all these these experiences that Jesus went through, um, Psalm Psalm 22, when Jesus was on the cross, towards the end, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the opening line of Psalm 22. Psalm 22 was written by uh, David. And read it. Uh, Homework this afternoon, if you like. Um, But it describes crucifixion okay it was written maybe a thousand years before christ yeah it describes crucifixion it describes being pierced that was unknown at that point in time unknown okay the phoenicians started it the greeks picked up on it and then the romans are deploying it at this point in time but that's thousand years before and then we have uh, the prophecies of isaiah 52 and 53 i mean just just one, really. I mean, um, Jesus was so badly beaten, basically, that his physical appearance was completely distorted. Uh, uh, Isaiah 52, verse 14. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage or his physical appearance was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Incredible, isn't it? And it's a redemptive work. It's a redemptive work. Uh, And uh, Peter writes in 1 Peter, looking back on the suffering that Jesus experienced, and he's quoting from the prophecy of Isaiah 53, and he's describing it as being fulfilled. He speaks of it in the past tense. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered... He did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes, yea, were healed. 1 Peter 2, 23 to 24. The stripes in the, here are the, the wounds that bleed. And healed is made whole. Made whole. We're not just talking about spiritual healing. We're talking about uh, a legal entitlement to receive physical healing now as well. That's what Jesus brought on the cross for us. Um, in, the, in, the, uh, in the prophecy in Isaiah, uh, the word used is Rapha. And we, you get one of the names of God, isn't it? Jehovah Rophe, uh, the God that heals us. Mental, physical, and spiritual. <clears throat> Praise God. Okay, so he was rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes. If there's ever a bunch of folk that should have known and recognized Jesus from the prophets, <laughs> it's the elders, which are like, if you like, the political leaders, 
the chief priests, that's like the religious leaders, and the scribes, okay, they're, they're the smart people, okay? So if there's ever a bunch of folk that should have recognized that Jesus was who he said he was, and he, he fulfilled all these prophecies out of the Old Testament, uh, it's them, but they did not. Um, <clears throat> so what's Jesus hinting at when he's saying that he'll be rejected? Um, I, uh, sorry, let's do Psalm 118 first. So Psalm 118 The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. The stone which the builders rejected. Um, So Jesus being that foundation stone, or or, uh, some translations say the keystone. So if you imagine an archway, and the keystone is the one at the top that holds the whole arch together. So if you pull a keystone away, then plainly it all falls apart. Isaiah 53 verse 3 he is despised and rejected by men speaking of Jesus being rejected okay our fourth one and be killed and be killed so Romans 6.23 the first part of Romans 6.23 for the wages of sin is death so the lamb had to die Okay, for the sacrifice to be complete, the lamb has to die. Jesus had to die. There was no getting away from that. There was, yeah, no dodging that. Jesus had to die. And the incredible thing is, is that Jesus gave up his life. It says, it says we don't have it on the slides, but he literally gave up the ghost. He said it is finished. And breathed his last. He gave, gave up it, his life. Uh, elsewhere, Jesus says, it, he says I, um, No man takes my life from me, I lay it down, or something like that. That's a Dave Jones translation. But for me, the incredible thing, as I mentioned a little bit when talking about the suffering, is that Jesus did this because he loves us. Um, and it's individual. You know, if, if you were the only person left in the world when Jesus was walking the, pl- the, the planet Earth, he would have still gone to the cross for you. And for those people that are watching on the, the screen at home, or wherever you happen to be watching this, maybe it's on a bus or on a tube, and you've got your earphones in and no one else is listening but you, Jesus would have died for you too because he loves you. 1 John 4 says this, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might love through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And as I said earlier, that propitiation is literally took the punishment. He took the wrath of God that was destined for us. Somebody shout amen. Amen. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Okay, but the gospel doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with him being on the cross. The cross is empty. Hallelujah. (laughs) Don't go down there, Dave. Don't go down there. Don't go down there. 
Okay, so again, it was prophesied that uh, the, the Messiah would not stay in the grave. Um, Psalm 16 says this, verse, starting at verse 9. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. That's verse 9 and 10. So uh, Sheol is basically the Hebrew for the world of the dead. And what's interesting is it says, you will not leave my soul in Sheol. So for me, that implies he visited there. Um, And in fact, when Jesus was on the cross, you may remember if you've read it, there's two thieves either side. And uh, one's basically continuing to blaspheme and to swear into Jesus' face. And the other thief basically says to Jesus, you know, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. And the world of the dead was divided into two, okay? <clears throat> there was paradise, which is where the, 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 the tramp went. You might remember the tramp going now into Lazarus's bosom. It's where Abraham's bosom it was called. And then there was a place of torment. So that's where Jesus went and he set that place free. I really didn't mean to go that far down that road. (laughs) Maybe I'll talk some more about that another day, okay? (laughs) But uh, Jesus was not left and it was prophesied. Um, The the resurrection is is key because it demonstrates that Jesus had victory over death. It demonstrates that what he did works. It demonstrates that we can hang our faith on that because he conquered death. Okay? It's a hinge point for the Christian faith. There are people that have set out to disprove the Christian faith, and they do it by trying to home in on the resurrection. And uh, there's some famous books. One is Who Moved the Stone? It was written by a guy who was an atheist, basically. And... He went to destroy Christianity. <laughs> but God had other plans in mind for him. And he ended up uh, proving just how you can't get away from the empty tomb. You can't get away from Jesus' resurrection, basically. So, a very different Messiah. Um, but one who has paid the price for our sin, and we can rejoice in that today. Um, <clears throat> so years ago, a long time ago, uh, that challenge came to me. So who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? David, who do you say that I am? And uh, the home in which I grew up in, my, my dad uh, was off into some very strange things, uh, some Stuff from uh, the East, typically. My mum uh, dabbled in the occult. Um, typically uh, fortune-telling time kind of stuff. So that was the home in which I grew up in. And somebody challenged me. They said, who do you say that Jesus is, David? And uh, C.S. Lewis um, talks about a trilemma. He talks about Lord, liar, or lunatic. Um, And those are the only options that are open to us because of some of the things that Jesus did 
and some of the things that Jesus said. So either Jesus was genuinely deluded, all right? He thought he was the son of God, but he wasn't. Or he was a liar. He genuinely tried to delude people. Or he was who he said he was. And, but, you know, as I read the Gospels, I could not move away from the fact he said incredible things. And he made some very exclusive statements about himself. So you can't just simply say he's a good teacher and leave it there. He is Lord Liar Lunatic. And the decision I came to plainly is that he is Lord. Uh, Romans 10 verse 9 says this. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So for me, the first thing that came was I believed in my heart that God had raised Jesus from the dead. And if that's true, I need to do something about it. And that means I need to speak it out that Jesus is now my Lord. And those two things together is what saves us. To confess with the mouth and believe in the heart. And we're saved. So for anybody watching online or anybody in this room today, if that's not true for you, if you've not made that choice, made that decision, make it. Because a day will come when people will no longer be able to make that choice. And then it will be too late. And every day you wait, you are gambling on Jesus not coming back tomorrow. So please, anybody watching or in the room that still needs to make that decision, make the decision today. And all you have to do is just say to God, I don't understand half of what this guy David said to me this morning. But I'm just crying out to you now to save me. Be the Lord of my life. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead and you will be saved. And the people said, Amen. Okay, let's just close in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you that uh, your word accomplishes that for which it was sent. Father, I thank you for this word today. Lord, I thank you that you've touched hearts and you've touched lives in, in many different ways, Lord. We've all been touched by something different this morning uh, from your word. Lord, I thank you. Your word is, is a light to our path and a lamp to our feet. And uh, Lord, as we go from this place today, uh, Lord, I thank you that uh, we would just know your peace in our hearts. We would know your protection in our lives and in the families uh, that we represent here today. Jesus, my name.